Back to the Line podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's guest is Dr. Gerald Pollack. He is someone that I have been familiar with for quite a long time. He is the author of a book called The Fourth Phase of Water which redefines the definition of water in many ways. Uh, We think of water as coming in three different forms, solids, liquids, and gases. There is another quite meaningful form that would be somewhat of like a gel form. And that is what we get into, part of what we get into this conversation, uh, this fourth phase of water and kind of redefining our perception of water, meaning of water. And also tapping into the stored memories within water, which is very interesting. I want you to be forewarned. This conversation starts off, uh, I would say, quite technical. Um, There's a lot of tapping into the the physics and uh, chemistry of what the heck this fourth phase of water is, why it's relevant to us. It's referred to as easy water or exclusion zone water. He explains what what that is, why that why it's referred to that, and how it's relevant to our cellular health. And then around 50 to 55 minutes or so, uh, you're welcome to jump forward to that if you want to get out of the really technical weeds. That's where we get into more actionable information. So I hope you guys devour this. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing. If you have not subscribed yet, make sure you press the subscribe button so you get each week's episodes. I greatly appreciate that. Um, Thanks for leaving us reviews wherever you're listening to this. That is it. That is all. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the good doctor, Gerald Pollack. like to start off with some type of question that's like kind of good for YouTube and this is going to be you might find it a little bit annoying Um, (laughs) it's okay so I'm I'm curious Jerry Gerald Pollock from your perception does water have memory I'm sure you find that question a little bit annoying right off the bat but what does that question mean to you and what is does water (laughs) have memory what is what is what what could Uh, that mean no um it's uh it's not the least bit annoying. Uh, in fact, uh, <laughs> I, I I must tell you that that um, our research uh, right now, a good portion of our research is devoted exactly to that question. And it's not annoying. It's annoying to some because because the the concept, the idea seems ludicrous. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, and uh, people have lost their careers, their career standings by asserting based on evidence uh, that water has has memory. But by now, uh, the number of scientists and others who have reported uh, water memory, uh, the, the number is, is actually rather impressive. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's no longer um, reasonable or um, uh, to assert that that it's impossible that water uh, has no no memory you know it it's it started it started way way back with with um jacques benveniste a, a french scientist of some distinction and um uh, and he was an, an immunologist and he was doing experiments in which he took some antibodies and he exposed um exposed cells, uh, their, the cells were basophils, to these antibodies. And when he exposed them to the antibodies, the cells would secrete histamine. Okay, the details are not really important. What, what's important is that someone came to his laboratory in Paris. This was a 
giant laboratory with 50 people. This guy was a distinguished scientist. And the guy said, well, I can repeat your experiment, but instead of instead of exposing the cells to the antibodies, um, I can dilute those antibodies and dilute and dilute and dilute in the homeopathic fashion so that essentially there are no antibodies left. There's only water that had been exposed uh, to the antibodies earlier. And get the same result, you know, and, and the implication, if true, the implication is that the water must have some kind of memory of those antibodies because the reaction of those antibodies on the basophil cells is so specific. Um, and, and so the water must have retained the information. And an entire debacle took place, uh, which is described in detail in, in my book, um, my latest book, which is called The Fourth Phase of, uh, of Water. And so it actually rather rather interesting story uh, from the human side when the guy who was able to demonstrate that this dilution uh, was challenged to do it in, in Benveniste laboratory, he succeeded. And pretty soon everybody was looking over his shoulder and, and watching to see. And it, it was clear that it was correct, you know, that he could demonstrate that. And so he submitted his paper to the journal Nature after afterward, uh, Jacques uh, did. And, uh, and they rejected it summarily, or I should say the editor, John Maddox, uh, rejected it uh, summarily. He said it's impossible. He said it can't be because if you're right, everybody else is wrong. And if everybody else is wrong, it just can't be. And therefore, I'm not sending it to the reviewers. I'm rejecting it. And so Jacques Benvenis, being um, a scientist of not only of some distinction, but also a wise man, uh, he thought, okay, the way I can... I can work this through is to ask colleagues from around the world to repeat my experiments using exactly the same protocol that I used. And if they were to get the same results, we, we pool our results and publish together. That's what he did. The results came out positive. And all of the, the authors from different laboratories scattered around the world put their names on the manuscript, sent it back again. You see, and and the editor said, and by the way, all these letters are in the public domain. It can be um, it can be accessed. I'm still not going to publish it because um, I don't care how many people repeat it. Can't be right. <laughs> you know, a, a proper scientific um, a response. Anyway, um, after that, I'm telling the story because it's a kind of amusing story, but it typifies what happens. Um, when exotic, seemingly exotic findings come to the fore, they're often summarily rejected. So I was visiting uh, uh, Jacques' laboratory and he told me, I got a call from, <clears throat> from the editor of Nature, John Maddox, from that phone sitting right there. He called me and he said, I'll make a deal with you. And the deal was, I'll publish it, but we're gonna send a group of people um, uh, a group of peers to your laboratory to look over your shoulder and see what you're doing and then report back to our readers. And, uh, and, and Jacques, uh, being a, you know, a man of integrity and realizing that he definitely had something going there, he said, yes, it's okay. So, so the manuscript got published and after it got published, it got published with a little bit of a disclaimer at the bottom saying, well, we're not really so sure about this, but in the interests of, um, 
fairness, we're, we're publishing it, but we're going to send a delegation of peers uh, to your laboratory. And that happened. So the peers can So who were the peers? Uh, the peers were the editor himself, who was under pressure to publish because all of the homeopaths uh, in Paris, and there were many of them, were up in arms. You know, this famous and distinguished scientist basically justifying uh, what we do for, you know, for health reasons. Uh, how is he getting summarily rejected? So Maddox was under pressure. So the committee that arrived in Paris a month later consisted of Maddox himself, who was under pressure, uh, a guy named Walter Stewart from the National Institutes of Health. And the NIH had just set up a center for scientific integrity. So you can see that they were really thinking, um, or at least the editor of Nature was thinking that it must be some kind of trick. And the third person, and who who is best off um, identifying the tricks of other magicians or scientists, <laughs> the amazing Randy, uh, Randy James Randy, magician. Uh, so th those were the peers uh, that came. And um, I, I'll skip because I don't want to uh, occupy the time, but, but even though the first two days when the technician in the laboratory got positive results, the third day, the experiments were done by the Walter Stewart from NIH, and, and the results didn't were not positive. And although when they published the paper, they said, this doesn't work every time, but it works enough times to be not only statistically significant, but easily statistically significant. You know, occasionally it doesn't work. Uh, the, the parenthesis is often it doesn't work when people who do the experiment are um, disbelieving in it, but that's, hmm. that's, that's on the side. So anyway, hmm. since they, they huddled in their hotel and they, they said, well, you know, when the French do it, it works. And when we do it, it doesn't work. Therefore, it must be a hoax. It must be a trick. Even though the world's so-called greatest magician um, couldn't figure out what the trick was. So they attributed it to sloppy science or what have you. And that was the end of the career of Jacques Benvenis. From there, it went downhill. He went from a laboratory of 50 people to a laboratory of zero people, couldn't get funding. And, and gradually, uh, he, he became a scientific joke. And the joke was, you know, um, you're, you're getting gray hair and a little bit bald, you know, and um, you're having trouble remembering uh, with advanced age, just drink some of Benvenist's water because it has memory in it, and that will solve your problem. So it became a scientific joke. Anyway, um, th that was a long answer to a short question, do I believe in water memory? Since then, numerous, well, maybe numerous is an exaggeration, many people, including Distinguished scientists like uh, Nobel laureate Luc Montagnier, who passed recently, uh, reg yeah. regrettably, have produced evidence uh, with different techniques, each one using their own approach, demonstrating that water indeed has has memory. And um, and I just will will add one one more point to this. Um, you know, I mean the the demonstrations are produced, are reported not only in scientific papers, but I organize each year the annual conference on the physics, chemistry, and biology of water. And inevitably, at, uh, at, at each annual conference, there are two or three people who come to the podium to report their experiments on, on water memory. Diverse experiments from various different 
quarters, all reporting the same thing. And some of these, as I said, are are scientists of some some distinction. So, so the number has increased to the point where it's difficult to deny. And if you ask me the right questions, <laughs> I'll explain to you why I think this is actually possible um, yeah. in in water. But yeah. I'll reserve that for later. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's. Yeah. So that that that's. You know, the what, which I think is incredibly interesting, and then the 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 how and the why. Uh, I'd be very curious your perception on okay. on that. And then, and then I think if you could touch on Luc Montagnier, if that's how you say his name, I think that his the research that he conducted around DNA was really interesting, and that the fact that he is like he won a Nobel Prize and he's like you know about as respected as you could be in the realm of academics and science, following down these same threads. So yeah. if you could touch on that a little bit, I think that would be great. And then also touching on like what from your perception and experience is the why to all of this. Okay, so first let me um, respond to the second uh, issue about Luc Montagnier. And, you know, Luc was a, a friend. We actually spent a couple of weeks together in Abu Dhabi a few years back, and it was a pleasure to, to get to know him. He was a man of great courage. He pursued whatever it was that interested in him and what he believed in. And what he, what he found was astonishing. So his experiment, his, uh, you know, central experiment uh, was... He took DNA uh, in a, a solution or a, a buffer in, in a container that was absolutely sealed uh, so that nothing, nothing could escape uh, from, from the container. No, no possible chemical transmission from inside to, to outside. He put that near a container of water, pure water, which was basically equally uh, equally sealed in in that way and there's just sitting next to one another and um, and he exposed these two containers to some generic kind of uh, energy 50 Hertz 60 Hertz just to energize the entire system uh, and he hypothesized he said this DNA a short strand of, of DNA uh, sitting in in the aqueous uh, buffer, is, is uh, either it's the DNA or the water surrounding the DNA that's transmitting sequence information to the water. Um, now, that's his hypothesis. And, um, you know, it seems if this is demonstrated, it's pretty far reaching because he demonstrates, he would demonstrate that some subtle energy is coming from the DNA or the water surrounding the DNA and in, imparting in, information uh, in the water. And to test this, he took the water and he used the PCR uh, technique, which people know about now because it's used, you know, um, in the COVID uh, tests to produce new DNA, right? And, and he did that. And the sequence of the new DNA was the same as the sequence of the DNA that had been sitting uh, next to the water. You know, he reported that. And of course, it was controversial uh, and uh, a lot of people thought it was even ludicrous. I mean, how could this be possible? But can, by now it's been, please. Can, can I ask for just my own internal clarification? So is there's one, how do you extract DNA and put it into a solution and contain it within that solution and like isolate it? And is it, is it DNA in both of the containers or buffers as you, as you called it? No. Or am I, or am I missing? So, I'm sorry. Uh, so the DNA, I, I don't, I, I'm not expert in this field. I can't tell you exactly the steps that are taken uh, to put the DNA in in a solution. Um, okay. But you know, I mean, DNA 
doesn't exist in, in a vacuum. It exists in basically inside inside the cell, um, inside cells, you, yeah. you know, and and it's surrounded by water. So that would not be would not be strange. And I I'm sorry, but I can't I can't give you uh, because I don't know myself all of those details. But it's it's normal for the DNA to be surrounded with in, in an aqueous solution. What he okay. did do in subsequent experiments is he actually did what I was talking about earlier, you know, he, he would dilute it and dilute it and dilute it so that eventually uh, he told me this, and I think he published it too, that all that was left was the water that was surrounding the DNA, no more DNA, because he, he had diluted it enough times, or, you know, homeopathic dilutions, that statistically speaking, there was no more DNA. There was just water, the water mm-hmm. that ordinarily uh, surrounded the, the DNA. Um, and so he's got either the water that had been exposed to the DNA or the DNA with water around it sitting in a sealed container. Okay. Does, does that answer your that question? Makes sense. Or, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, and, and, and that, that, um, that experiment is actually has been repeat, repeated, uh, confirmed in, as I understand, three different, three different laboratories. I've seen one of the three papers. I haven't seen the other two, but, um, it's it's um, it, it's widely known now that three different laboratories, two are Italian, one Chinese, have have confirmed his his result. So you know, if we if we accept that confirmation of a result in independent laboratories constitutes evidence that it's real, then it appears to be real. A lot of people are still skeptical because it seems and it. it so difficult to imagine that this could happen, that there's still a lot of skepticism that's that, that's um, surrounding this. So, uh, so, so the, please, the, the so the the uh, essentially like the 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 homeopathic container at this point of of DNA does that affect another container with this extremely diluted? version of what once yeah, was he, like a higher concentration of this DNA got the same result uh, it didn't it didn't matter whether whether it, the original DNA um, had been contained in that first um, vial or solution or what whether was, what, what was but, the result exactly the result was was that um, new new DNA was was uh, could be produced that had the same um, sequence okay as that DNA or <laughs> Um, Interesting. Yeah, that, that that was the result, and you know, wow. it's just so the, the result basically, if 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 valid, it it suggests that there there is there there is first of all the existence of water memory because remember sitting next to the DNA or sitting next to the highly diluted DNA is just water, and that water was used, and um, he combined the water with all the chemicals that you need for the PCR. Uh, reaction, and you'd never, never expect the result to be new DNA with the same sequence as the DNA that had been sitting next to the water. So, wow. yeah, I'm sorry, I took some shortcuts, but basically, no, it no, proves, it's okay. proves a couple of things. First of all, that there's some kind of subtle energy that's getting transmitted between, or some kind of energy between the original DNA or the water that had surrounded it, and just pure water. That's the first. And the second, um, 
it, it is is that there must be memory in the water because mm. you know without memory that this water would would contain no information so mm. you know so i mentioned i'm mentioning uh, or i have mentioned only um the these uh, the, these two experiments from jacques benvenis which was the late 1980s and the most modern experiments done by Luc Montagnier, which are contemporary. And, and over the span of years, there were many other people who, who demonstrated, were able to demonstrate that um, in, indeed um, um, there is water memory. And, I, you know, I could, I could go over some of these experiments if you wish, but I, I think we maybe yeah, want to use the time for others. But yeah. but yeah, but the second, may I just respond to the second part of your question? Um, you know, how is this possible? Um, and why is there all this skepticism? And, um, and, and I think the reason for the skepticism is, you know, we think, we think of liquid water um, as, as, being, as being the, the uh, relevant kind of water in these, in these experiments. And, and the common knowledge of liquid water is that the molecules, the water molecules, H2O, are randomly uh, disposed and they're bouncing around at um, you know a gazillion times uh, per second. And so, if you if you think of liquid water as uh, it, consisting of what I just just mentioned, it's really difficult to to imagine that there could be any kind of memory um, uh, in in a situation like that. However, um, that's based on an assumption, and the assumption is that. Um, we're dealing with liquid water. What we discovered is a kind of water we call the fourth phase water or easy water. And um, it, it does not consist of molecules that are bouncing around a gazillion times per second. It's like a liquid crystal where there's distinct order. And when you have order, you, you have a possibility for, uh, for, for memory. You know, if you think about, about computer memory, what... You know, if you think about the thumb drive that you stick into your laptop, what, what's inside um, of this thumb drive? Well, it, it consists of a, um, a linear array, two-dimensional array of transistors, basically. Um, mm. And each transistor has two states, uh, zero, one, on, off, whatever. And it's this distribution of zeros and ones uh, on this two-dimensional array that constitutes memory. Well, the water that we discovered has... Actually, we call it fourth phase water. It has similar properties. It's a, it's a liquid crystal, and it consists of oxygens and hydrogens. Um, and the oxygens, uh, this is standard chemistry, are known to have not two states, but actually five different oxidation states, um, ranging from minus two, which is the we call valence, which is the the um, most common way of uh, expression, but there's also minus one, zero, plus one, and plus two. Less well known, but standard chemistry, nevertheless. So it means it means that this this so-called fourth phase water that we uh, identified has um, capacity for storing information, just like the computer memory has the capacity for storing information. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually um, have argued that that computer memories in the future may actually consist of this fourth phase water. It's a different, you know, different subject, happy to talk about it. But, but um, main, the main point is that while liquid water has no reasonable capacity to store information, 
um, fourth phase or easy water has exactly that capacity. And if you have easy fourth phase water in, in your system, then the possibility for information storage is absolutely there. So there is a theoretical basis for the findings, not only of Jacques Benvenis, but Luc Montagnier, who came after him. The two, by the way, were friends. Um, okay, so, I think I've been so, blabbering too much. No, you're not blabbering at all. It's amazing. So uh, EASY ex stands for Excursion Zone. Exclusion and, Zone, right. Oh, sorry, Exclusion Zone. All right, Exclusion, exclusion. Zone. Yeah, yeah it's easy fault. to remember. Easy to remember. <laughs> exclusion Zone water. Uh, can you define what that is yeah and, sure and then and then well i have more questions that's something so something that within that first right i guess we have to define it but then something that i'm curious as well within all of this is how stable the the memory of said water molecules are or said exclusion zone territory molecules like that that air like because because i would think that as water molecules could be imprinted or or augmented based off of their environmental conditions, I would think that they'd be very plastic in the way that they would change. So I, I, I that's kind of a curious thing to me in my mind as well. It's like how stable is said memory of water? If there was an imprint, why would it not just be re-imprinted by the very next scenario that it's that it's you know or, or environment that it's that it's surrounded by? So there's two questions: well, what is yeah, easy, yeah. and then and then stability. Yeah, and um, nobody knows the answer to your second question about being re-imprinted, but um, and and uh, in fact, nobody knows the answer to your first question about what it is. <laughs> so, but let me speculate. Um, okay. We, we, um, <laughs> The, the spec, speculation uh, comes from the fact that easy water can be extracted and by dehydration uh, can be converted into a solid. And that solid is, is stable, indefinitely stable. Now, we were not the first to discover that. It was Vittorio Elia in Naples who first uh, discovered that you can take easy water extract it, dehydrate it in, in one of a number of ways, and the remaining residue is dry, dried powder um, of, of sorts. And this powder just remains a dried powder indefinitely. Now, if the easy water has memory, and if you dehydrate, which is basically getting rid of the free water and leaving the easy water, if it has memory to start with, you would presume that the memory uh, could be there uh, for the long term. That's a theory. Um, or a speculation, nobody has really tested it. It's not so easy uh, to test, but it's a good question, you know. And then, um, and then, the question of of whether it could be re-imprinted. Well, if well, it could so be, what 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 is what is easy easy water? Because my my understanding of easy water is essentially it's like creates almost like a like a container around water when well, no, that's not that's not a very good definition when it's a, when when water presses up against something that's hydrophobic it creates this this reaction that, that that's um creates negative charge around that space yeah okay that so negative charge kind of expands with infrared light this is like my like i'm trying to butcher something some kind of sense for my like very simple mind to be able to understand like what what the, what the heck is easy water? I know that what I just said isn't accurate, but that's like what I'm trying to put. It's almost out. accurate. It's actually okay, a, good. <laughs> it's a water loving surface, not hydrophobic. hydrophobic oh, sorry, is, sorry. Hydrophobic. Yeah, yeah, that's like Teflon okay. where, you know, you drop yeah. water, it beads up. So the yeah. water is not interacting with the surface. 
Uh, but if it's hydrophilic, the water spreads out and it's definitely interacting with the surface. So, so uh, okay, so let me let me go back, back a step and explain uh, about that. And um, and I, I'm I'm sorry if I rag on and on, but but no, the background is sort of necessary. Yeah. Um, so there, previously in the past, um, you know, half century or so, there there has been a good deal of evidence from various rather distinguished scientists um, that that in in biology that the water is not liquid water. It's a different kind of water. Some someone in the 1950s, uh, um, a German scientist wrote wrote a whole book about that the water inside your cell is gel-like. It's not liquid. Um, so the the idea has 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 been known for a while, and um, and and this uh, gel-like uh, water. You can demonstrate it yourself really easily. Just cut yourself with a razor blade. And, um, you know, if it's liquid water, the water would come pouring out like water comes from a breached water pipe. <laughs> you know, it, it, it floods. Yeah. That doesn't happen when you cut yourself. It, and, and so the water, the water stays in, basically, just like, um, li like a gel, um, like, like egg white might stick to a surface, uh, uh, raw egg white. Um, and, and and so we we actually started our experiments uh, ba based on, on on some of these concepts, uh, particularly by one Gilbert Ling, a, um, a controversial but rather distinguished uh, scientist, who demonstrated that that in cells the water was not liquid water, as I you know, just described by the, uh, this description about cutting yourself. It's it's actually a different kind of water that's more like. He didn't use the term, but I'd use the term like a crystal, a liquid crystal, because the molecules are somehow ordered, lined up. And he was, as you might imagine, really controversial in uh, in 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 that view. And um, I, I started, I was in a different field. We were studying muscle contraction. And when I heard his presentation, I was amazed. I, um, you know, I said to myself, if this guy is right, every, all of cell biology needs to change because the assumption is that the, the water in the cell is liquid water and, and his contention and, and other scientists, um, the minority for sure, but distinguished scientists like Albert St. Georgie, who the discoverer of vitamin C and Nobel prize, father of modern biochemistry also had the same, the same view. So anyway, I was intrigued, and we started our experiments, and um, and we were looking looking for an experimental uh, setup um, that had liquid crystalline, uh, where we could detect liquid crystalline properties. And by hook or by crook, we found it really quickly. So we put a we had some water, and we put some particles in the water, and we immersed a gel, um, and we looked in the microscope, and we quickly saw that next to the surface of the gel, um, uh, there was a region that contained no microspheres. The microspheres were pushed out, these little particles, microspheres, what we use, they were pushed out. And, and we're looking in the microscope and, and we were astonished because this region uh, where the microspheres were, were pushed out, uh, which implied a liquid crystalline kind of region because liquid crystals, crystals of all sorts are pure and they push out Anything else, in order to be pure, they have to get rid of any contaminants or particles or whatever. So that's what we were observing. We knew from Gilbert Ling's um, 
observations that there ought to be some liquid crystalline kind of uh, regions, and we we identified this region. We did many follow-up studies on, on this region. The first thing is we called it exclusion zone, EZ, because it excluded these particles. But then we did many studies, uh, physical chemical studies, to show that this region differed from liquid water in, in any and every way that we could study. Um, it was highly viscous. It would, uh, the structure was ordered, um, even had um, electrical, uh, negative electrical potential. The region beyond having positive uh, charge, because you know, if you think about it, all of this originates from liquid water, and water molecules are neutral. So you start with neutral molecules. If you have one region, easy region, which is negatively charged, you must have another region which is positively charged, and so. Uh, that was another of the characteristics that, that we noticed. And eventually, this EZ region, um, we, we came to realize that it's not a really apt name for the re region be because, yeah, okay, so it excludes, but, but it's really different in, 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 in every way in which we, 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 could, we, we, we could study. And so we decided to call it a, um, a different phase of water, and that's how fourth phase uh, got its name. So to summarize, um, um, and I apologize again for the long diatribe, but okay. okay. So, so there, there's a region, uh, the region is a region that builds next to hydrophilic surfaces um, um, that in, in that's ordered uh, and that has negative charge. Um, and um, and I, I didn't tell you about the energy that's needed to build um, this charged, ordered region. And we found out um, that it's, it's actually light, and especially infrared light. You just shine a little infrared light on the existing EZ, uh, and it, it can grow. We've seen with a very weak infrared um, light-emitting diode, LED, that it could expand by a factor of 10 times even. So it's very sensitive. So the energy that's required for the buildup of this is largely, it's light and at the infrared uh, wavelength. So th those, are, those are some of the features and characteristics. And if you allow me <laughs> just um, one, one more point, you know, yeah. as I said, this region's negative and the region beyond is positive. Um, and, and so if you have negative and positive, it's like a battery. It's a battery that's fed by infrared energy, which is all around us, um, all the time. And, and, and so if you stick a two electrodes, one in the negative, one in the positive, if it's battery like you ought to be able to get current, uh, to, you know, to, to, to run some device. And we've been able to demonstrate by putting electrodes in the negative and in the positive that we could light, um, for example, an LED. So we have proof of principle about this separation of charge. And I, you know, I must admit being, being excited about the possibility that with some additional study, it, it might be possible to actually exploit this uh, for producing a, a realistic amount of electrical energy out of basically sunlight. You know, sunlight 
half, roughly half of the energy sunlight is in the infrared um, region. That's why we feel we feel heat from the, from the sun. So so this is an exciting um, you know exciting feature. And 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 then by the way, if this stuff exists inside our cells, in, in um, this easy water, and we have a good reason to um, to suggest that it fills our cells. Um, you see, then then the cell can obtain energy uh, from basically electrical energy to run whatever the cell is designed to do, <laughs> and and we think that we have evidence to suggest that this is in, in, indeed the case. So we may indeed get uh, a good deal of our energy basically um, from electrical energy, which in turn derives from energy from the environment. Um, so I think I'd better stop there because I'm, uh, you got a lot of questions. I want to take a moment and share one of my new favorite hat brands. When you discover a new hat brand that actually works, it's like discovering a new t-shirt. It just fits your head well. It makes you feel confident, makes you feel cool, makes you feel all things. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Melon. Uh, the reason I like them is they just feel good. Uh, the, the texture of the fabrics, the quality of the brim, the buckle, everything, it just feels best in class. They are lightweight, they are breathable, they are durable, uh, they're also water repellent, they're floatable, uh, and antimicrobial. So if you want to get yourself a new cap, a new hat, that it looks steezy AF, you can jump over to melon.com slash align for 20% off. Just utilize the align code. Get yourself 20% off. Uh, melon spelled M-E-L-I-N dot com slash align. If you are not through the moon, is it through the moon? Through the, to the moon? Excited about this hat. You don't love this hat. Then they have a 100% money back guarantee. No questions asked. I highly recommend at least just going through the website. They have such rad style of hats so i think you guys really dig them the quality is the best it could be and you get yourself 20 percent off so jump over to melon m-e-l-i-n dot com slash align check out the hats 100 money back guarantee 20 percent off enjoy i'd like to take a moment and share two things that i am incredibly passionate about the first one is supporting regenerative farming and regenerative farming practices the other one is eating nose to tail particularly from a regenerative farm that is why i really truly love paleo valley and uh, i take their paleo valley organ complex every single day it comes from grass-fed and finished liver heart and kidney to deliver the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet in a convenient delivery system without having to acquire a taste for organ meats, which some people are good with them, but a lot of people not a big fan, understand that. Uh, and they can be quite hard to source as well. It's pretty annoying trying to find them at most grocery stores. Organ Complex is the richest natural source of vitamin A and B12, a great source of other vitamins many Americans are deficient in, like additional B vitamins, iron, niacin, folate, phosphorus, zinc, and selenium. So whether you are a 
vegan, vegetarian, meat eater, whatever, um, you are supporting the health and the well-being of the planet by supporting Rogero Farms, and you're supporting your own health by eating nose to tail, particularly acquiring some of the specific vitamins and minerals that you'd be getting from an organ complex like this. If you want to get yourself a discount, then jump over to paleovalley.com slash align. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com slash align, and you will get 15% off. They have a 100% money back guarantee. If you do not love this stuff, it does not make a difference in your energy levels, the quality of your connective tissue, and just the way that you feel, get your money back, no big deal. Jump over to paleovalley.com slash align for 15% off. Highly recommend trying their organ complex. Enjoy. No, I just, I'd like to, to understand like the, like how all of this is, can be relevant to like a layman person like, like myself. Um, and I think a part of that is, is like really having a, a bit more of like for, in my own mind, like an a, a, a objective material perspective of like what, um, the relevance of this negatively charged space is or this like boundary that it seems like water creates when it when it rubs up against hydrophilic um materials yeah and it seems it seems to me in my mind it's almost like like h2o has the tendency of um i don't know perhaps like craving some type of of um boundary for itself in a way and that's that's like its way to create clouds and its way to create water droplets and that's like a part of the physics of water is is creating some level of of boundary to itself and that becomes that negatively charged boundary space outside space and then the and then it gets bound by and this is again i have no idea what i'm talking about. i'm just trying to piece this together in my very simple mind and then there's the positively charged internal portion and then they 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 bind to each other and it's kind of like a like a cytoplasm or like an outside container for the water for it to kind of move around so it's like a little vehicle and within that so so this is just me fumbling through trying to trying to put together like a visualization and then yeah. what's what's interesting in in my mind is the the concept of that boundary space if that's a, an appropriate language for it being negative and then the internal portion being positive that that then can get conferred into energy or like a, a battery like the idea of like a water droplet or just a, a glass of water in a cup because of the the juxtaposition of the the differences in charges you could run a light bulb just by placing water into a cup is just, I think, really amazing. Um, and so, like, how do we grasp that? And I probably, please, I, I probably butchered all of that. So please, like, correct. Uh, and, then, and then, how do we grasp that? Uh, and I guess that was that was that was any of that relevant or whatever thing I yeah, said? Just, yeah, yeah. Like, not if sensible. You, if you've butchered it, then the resulting meat is delicious. Oh, good. <laughs> Great. Uh, no, no. Okay, so let me. Uh, there, there, there's one. I wouldn't say misconception, but yeah, um, yeah. And and what I didn't make clear is that um, this easy region is huge. It's not. It's not just a boundary. It occupies a huge amount of space. So, um, we've we've seen next to, for example, next to a boundary of uh, ghee, you know, clarified butter. We did experiments w- with that. This. Mm-hmm. Um, exclusion zone or fourth phase can extend by a millimeter so we're we're, we're talking you know in in uh, on the molecular scale we're we're talking in terms of huge huge volumes so now if you think about inside the cell 
um, you know, we, we have evidence that the cell is absolutely filled with this kind of water. It's not just a boundary within the cell. It fills the ins inside of the cell. And that's why when you, um, uh, if and when you measure the electrical potential difference between the inside of the cell and the outside, the inside is always negative. It's like minus anywhere between minus 50 and minus 100 millivolts, depending on the cell type. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason it's negative, I, I, I know the conventional view differs from what I'm uh, suggesting to you, but um, yeah, I have reasons for believing that what I'm going to tell you is, is correct. The negative potential inside the cell um, arises from the, from the negativity of the easy water that fills the cell. It's very simple. Uh, um, and, and, and this is very different from what you may read in the textbooks. In the textbooks, you'll read that the inside of the cell is filled with liquid water. And I'm suggesting that the inside of the cell is filled with easy water, um, simply because, because uh, all of the solids inside the cell, uh, the surfaces are mainly hydrophilic surfaces, and you'd expect the easy water to build next to those surfaces. Um, and, and as I said, the buildup can extend almost to a millimeter in, in size. And then in, inside the cell, uh, you know, if you, can, if you can build by up to six or seven molecular layers next to, um, next to each, um, each solid inside the cell, you've basically filled the cell. So it's not a heavy requirement or demand. It's just a, you know, a very modest demand. And, um, and uh, you know, if you, if you follow along with what I've suggested, uh, one piece of evidence uh, in support of, of what I've suggested is if you take the same electrode and, and you know, instead of, instead of um, um, inserting it into the cell, you insert it into a gel and the gel has no membrane, no pumps, channels, and all the gadgetry that's supposed to exist, you get the same result you get negative electrical potential. Many people have demonstrated this. And so, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you argue that inside in the cell, the reason for the negative electrical potential has to do with the, the stuff, um, the, the, the various, I, I don't know the right word besides gadgets uh, that are supposed to be in the membrane, then how do you explain that when you don't have the membrane or any of that gadgetry, you get the same result? See, so, okay, so returning back to the essence of your question, you got to think of the cell as, um, as filled with easy water, not filled with liquid water. And if it's filled with easy water, all of the physical chemistry of what goes on inside the cell um, is different, uh, must be different from what we've learned or what the textbooks are teaching us. And it makes for what you, you might you might call a, a new or revolutionary approach to understanding what goes on in the cell, because those two models are mutually exclusive. They 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 don't overlap with uh, or very much with with one another. And so, ma main point: this stuff fills volumes. It's not just a boundary effect. And the structure uh, the structure of e exclusion zone water is is H three O two as opposed to H two O. Is that correct? Well, yeah, we've done many experiments, and and uh, as best we can we can determine, um, it's H three O two. So so if I can amplify on that, just 
just a bit. Mm -hmm. um, what happens is um, what we've concluded happens based on a lot of experiments is so the, the you have a, um, a boundary, a surface, a hydrophilic surface, and then there's water and water meets that surface. And the first layer of water molecules um, feel that surface and they, those molecules undergo a transition and they transition from those individual water molecules to a different kind of structure. It's a structure that you know we've deduced, um, deduced to be a sheet-like structure that has a hexagonal mo motif um, uh, to it. So, so if you were to look down at it, you'd see um, a honeycomb, a bunch of hexagons, which are very common in nature. And, and this hexagonal sheet then serves as the template for the growth from the water molecules of the next sheet and so on. And these sheets build one, one by one. And each sheet has this uh, hexagonal structure. And if you count in this hexagonal structure, the number of hydrogens and oxygens, it turns out it's the, the formula is H3O2. It can't be H2O because H2O is neutral. But as I said, the experimental results dictate that it can't be, it's not neutral, it's negatively charged. H3O2 is negatively charged. So, um, so the, this result conforms with the experimental observations. It explains why the cell is negatively charged. And so then where, so it's like, that's like deep in the weeds of nerdy aspects of, I don't know, chemistry and physics and, and like probably deeper details than are, is necessary. Well, for... I, you know, um, I, I, I might be tempted to, to agree with you, but you know, I've tried to, I've tried to condense a whole lot into, um, you know, into, into a few minutes and, you know, um, um, if, um, this is not an advertisement for, for my book, but, but the book, the fourth phase of water, which has become extraordinarily popular and now is in many languages translated it's step-by-step. Step. And, and one of the comments, um, um, if you look on Amazon, one of the comments is, is, is that, um, you know, anybody can understand it. It's really clear. And so I, 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 I wouldn't put it in, in terms of the, uh, the nerdy people. It's just that, you know, it requires the step-by-step step elaboration and, uh, you know, we, 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 when I say we, it's, uh, my son is the artist uh, who illustrates and it's just full of cartoons and, and people have commented on, on the reader friendliness of the whole thing. And I think uh, a lot of people come, come away with a really clear understanding that and, and fun to read rather than, shall we say nerdy. And I, you know, I apologize if I'm trying to oh, condense. No, no I'm saying nerdy in a good way. No, yeah. I'm saying nerdy good way, and I have I have a copy of the fourth phase of water. Well, I think it's fantastic, and I'm saying as far as most, I, what I'm saying is, I'd like to veer into like, okay, how does this become relevant for a person waking up and feeling more energetic and feeling more cognitively clear and being able to get a bigger bench press if they care about that, and you know, have you know, like like how does this actually come back into cellular conductivity uh, or lack well, thereof? I'm happy, happy to. I mean, are you asking me to address that? Because I'm so that's happy. so that's so that's the kind of the, the direction that I. So it's like, cool. Here's this. Here's what this excursion zone is, and how a lot of what we've believed around the concepts of of, of water and such and its nature is actually not accurate. 
which is which is you know that's that okay. in and of itself is very Got interesting it. okay so and, and, and then the next thing is like okay so this comes into like the you know the like we are essentially human batteries and we are mitochondrial batteries and we are cellular batteries and our relationship within these positive and negative charges and then also in response to things like sunlight and you know infrared light and things of the sort creates this amazing orchestra of i don't know you call it like what do you call it like a transistor of sorts uh, it's like it is that wrong? I don't actually know what transistor is. I just, I'm just wait, what is a transistor? Well, you know, transistor is, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the um, laptop that you're using is uh, yeah. uh, filled with integrated circuits, which are basically transistors, uh, or the, the memory uh, in your computer consists of transistors. They're just uh, okay. semiconductor gadgets uh, that, that are, have become standard in, um, in electronics. So, so yeah. that, so that, that's where I'd like to go. Is how does us grasping and understanding of this like boundary zone or excursion or uh, sorry exclusion. exclusion exclusion zone, and having an understanding of the relationship of these positive negative charges, okay, um, how does that come into us as individuals in real time, uh, being more high functioning batteries in our lives? Okay, well let me uh, let me explain. Um, then, um, I mean, your question touches on, on a number of areas, not just, just one, but, um, okay. So, um, let's take a, a typical cell in your body, uh, muscle cells. Okay. Because mm -hmm. you've got a lot of muscles, particularly you, you look pretty buff and I Me, think sir. you're, you're full I'm of, a I'm a reflection. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You got it. Uh, how, okay, so your your muscle cells, um, your muscle cells um, are sometimes in the relaxed state; they're not contracting, and they're sometimes um, in in the active state; uh, they're they're contracting, and then they go back to the relaxed state. They go back and forth. You know, if you if you um, if you go in into the exercise room and want to lift some barbells, um, your muscles are activated. So what's going on? So what what we've deduced is the following um in in the relaxed state um your your proteins uh, inside your cell which are you know the 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 sort of action molecules that are responsible for for uh the muscle doing what it what it does but it's not just just um the proteins it's the water that's surrounding the proteins and in the relaxed state the water is easy water fourth phase water order structured water when the cell moves into um into action um when it wants to contract it's not just the proteins um, that undergo some kind of physical change to bring about the contraction it's the water too so the water along with the proteins the water changes from easy ordered easy water to ordinary liquid water and and while it's in that state, lots of things can move around and do whatever. And the transition of protein and water together is known as a phase transition. Um, that's what happens at the onset of contraction. Your muscle contracts, and then after the contraction is, is over, it has to return to the so-called relaxed state. And in that relaxed state, the water then transitions, uh, the water and proteins together transition 
to a different, to back to the original state, the water becomes ordered, easy water, and the proteins go from the contracted state to an extended state, and you're back the original condition. So, so the activity of your muscle cell or any cell um, involves the protein and the water transitioning first from the ordered state to the disordered uh, uh, liquid liquid water state, and then back again. Okay, so in order to undergo that transition, your cell needs to, the initial condition is there's, there's got to be a lot of easy water uh, in your cell, fourth phase water. And if you don't have enough, um, then then the, this transition back and forth is not going to work. Um, you, you need a full, comp- your cell needs to be full of easy water. And if your cells are not, uh, then they're dysfunctional. And if they're seriously devoid of, of this kind of water, then they're pathological. Like, for example, cancer cells, um, seriously pathological. If you measure the electrical potential inside the cell, it's not the usual 50 to 100 millivolts. It's 10 or 15 millivolts uh, negative. And so the, the interpretation for that is there's not really a whole lot of easy water in the cell and the cell can operate um, in, in in its its usual way it's not only dysfunctional but it's it's pathological um, could you could so, you replace could you replace easy easy water and and say negative uh, charge or negative it was as negative ions is that a correct way to communicate with this or is it not not ions is that a separate thing well um, we don't think of that as negative ions because uh, it's not an ion that's freely uh, movable. It's easy water, which is a collection of negatively charged uh, H3O2 um, uh, okay. sheets. That's that's what we... we but I mean, the, the main point is that you need a sufficient supply of that in order to function properly because to function properly, your cell, muscle cell, nerve cell, whatever kind of cell needs to undergo this transition and then back again. And, and if the initial condition is not appropriate, it, it can't do what it's, what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, in, the, in the case of your muscle, if you play two matches of tennis, you may get a cramp in your leg. Your muscle is contracted. It stays contracted for a while because it can't return to that initial state. It doesn't have the energy. That's where the energy comes in to bring it back to this initial state where you have easy and extended proteins. Um, so so uh, now, now I'm getting to the major point. So, so the point is what you need to do to, to remain healthy is to make sure, make sure that your cells are filled with easy water. You, you might, in, in, in more friendly terms, you might say your cells need to be hydrated because this is hydration. And everybody knows that you need to be well hydrated. But in terms of what of hydration, in terms of what exists inside the cell, hydration means you got a lot of easy water. The cell is filled with easy water. Uh, you got a lot of negativity, negative charge inside the cell. It, it's up to um, minus 60, 70, 80 millivolts, um, which indicates a full complement of easy water. And then your cell can function properly. So. Mm. So the trick then is to do whatever is necessary to bring your hydration, your easy water back up to the desired level or the necessary level. And I, you know, if, if you want to hear, I can, 
I can mention um, a half dozen different expedients that not only you, but your listeners and such um, um, can do to to help maintain their health. And they're not complicated. Yeah. So w- when you say water, what we would perceive as water essentially is a, a combination of an interior body referred that's that's the composition would be H2O with an exterior um, like membrane of sorts that would be H3O. And the combination of that together we call water. And that is this potential of energy and this conflation or, 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 or um, I don't know, boundary event of a negatively charged boundary area or outside area with a positively charged internal area. And your health and well-being, uh, in order for you to have health and well-being, you need to have an adequate balance of this positive and negative charge. And many uh, people, yes. when they're experiencing like dis-ease and things of the sort, typically would be a, a lack of this negatively charged H3O. O2, right. H3O2. O2. Right. Is that, am right. I, am I, I'm just trying, I'm like not a very intelligent person. And so I'm like trying to be able to like visualize and like hold this idea of Well, um, I appreciate your modesty, is. which is misplaced, but, but you know, it, it, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so the, the essence, and this is, this is what is entirely different from, you know, the, the, the common view, the common view is that inside your cell, you have liquid water. Um, and I explained to you why I think the, this view is entirely uh, mis, misplaced. Um, and, and, uh, what you need inside your cell is, um, a, a sufficient complement of, of, of easy water. It basically needs to fill the cell and yeah. it has negative charge and positive charges are outside. Um, so, and so you've got potential energy, you've got negative inside, positive outside, or even if you just consider in, the inside of the cell, right, you've got all those negative charges. And as you know, uh, negative charges repel one another. And they want to get away from each other, and but they're constrained. And so this this constraining of the positive charges inside the cell amounts to potential energy. Hmm. And, you know, there are various ways in which your body can use this potential energy. Um, now, we, we all, those of us who are, you know, um, at least modestly, educated uh, will know that the energy comes from ATP. That is, you know, the the molecule that has a high energy phosphate bond. Um, and there, there actually there actually is some concern uh, whether that's really, really true or not. And and if, if anybody's interested in, in the concern, look under gilbertling.org. Um, Gilbert Ling is, is the person who at least alerted me to to this problem. So, so it was a bunch of physical chemists um, seventy or eighty years ago who identified in in the molecule ATP it has a high energy phosphate bond, and 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 the assertion was that this high energy bond is used to power everything we do inside our body. One year later, um, another paper was published by another uh, prominent physical chemistry group and they said nonsense they said you guys last year made a simple arithmetic error which they identified uh, suggesting there's no such thing as a high energy bond now 
which group is right the original group or the group challenging it is not clear because nobody has ever followed up on that so hmm. i'm raising this because there is some possibility uh that the the idea that we get energy from the high energy high energy phosphate uh, bond could be could be erroneous not so hmm. clear but maybe hmm. so we don't know the answer to that question because apparently nobody has followed up on, on, on this issue and it's desperately needed to follow up. So what we're presenting here is either an alternative view of where our energy comes from or a complementary view. Uh, it could be, for example, that some of the energy comes from the, the chemical energy the, of, of the high energy phosphate bond. Um, and some of the energy comes from the electrical energy that I've been talking about. Yeah. And we simply don't know how much um, of each is, is, is relevant. We, we, we simply don't know. This is, this is a subject that is compellingly interesting for somebody to delve into and figure out what, what's correct. Yeah. You know, you know I, I, I should say um, at, at one extreme, it's possible, it's possible that most all of our energy actually comes from electrical energy. That's just a speculation. We have, don't know if that's right, but it's certainly it's certainly possible. Yeah. You know, a lot of things um, are run on electrical energy, and there are lots of examples inside our body of electrical energy that um, gets gets used. Um, nerve conduction, everybody agrees, has something to do with brain function, has to do with it, et cetera, et cetera. So it's possible that in terms of energy that we may get a lot more energy from electrical sources than than we commonly believe yeah and so then how in a in an actionable way do people come in and start to what can what kind of practices can we engage with to make ourselves more effective conductors and batteries and have our cells be able to circulate okay. and respirate and process yeah, and batteries. fold and how, do how all do of we... the things that they're supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, there are, you know, a half dozen that I, I, I could say the first and, and the most obvious one is drink more water because when you drink water, um, um, some of it gets converted to easy water and others gets peed out. Uh, you know, you, um, you, all the water that you drink doesn't, doesn't, convert to easy what it certainly helps you know you relieve your thirst and by by drinking and and your cells get hydrated so that's the first the second is you can accelerate this process um, by going into your vegetable garden in, in the back pulling some freshly grown um, vegetable leaves squeezing the hell out of them um, so that the juice uh, from from these leaves uh, you collect collect the juice and and what is this juice? Well, the juice, the juice is um, what's inside the plant cells, and inside these freshly grown plant cells is lots of easy water. So if you go through this process, you squeeze, and and from the squeezing you get the juice. You add some something to make it more palatable. You drink it, and you're drinking a lot of easy water, and so you you're bypassing the need for your body to convert ordinary liquid water to easy water um, wouldn't wouldn't any wouldn't any water become exclusion zone water upon contact with your mouth when like i thought that i thought that was kind of the thing water 
coming in contact with something hydrophilic that creates this negative boundary layer, which would be referred to as easier. But I, I, that's a good point. Uh, some of it will, but you know, when you drink, um, time is needed for this for this conversion. So, um, for example, um, if you if you have a, a hydrophilic surface uh, like a gel a surface, uh, for example, and you pour water. Um, the easy doesn't grow to its full extent instantaneously. It takes mm. time. So for a, a, a typical, a typical experimental result to, to grow, to grow an easy of, uh, let's say a fifth of a millimeter, uh, in, in width, it'll take three or four minutes, five minutes. So the water mm. that you drink is exposed to the saliva and whatever, you know, for what, a second or so. Some of it will will certainly build easy water, but the amount is 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 pretty limited. So 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 if it takes time for this exclusion zone to manifest or or, or grow or expand or the you know, diameter to increase or however, yeah. you, it's about the it's about the typically the, the width of like a human hair. Is that is that right? It's like a millimeter. Well, a human hair is typically a hundred, a hundred twenty micrometers, and um, half a hair is fifty or sixty micrometers, and that would take, I guess a couple of minutes or so uh okay. to grow two or three minutes something like okay. that so you're like imbibing this charge essentially and then you're imbibing this charge right oh, this very negative charge from the from the inside of the plant cell and you can charge and this gets into what people many people would kind of toss away as like new age woo whatever but you can charge water through exposure to light particularly infrared light seems to have a, a greater, more precisely. high impact effect. Yeah, precisely. Infrared has a, a profound uh, effect. And, you know, it's all over in our environment. We, we tend to equate um, infrared light or energy with, with heat. Uh, so, for example, you turn on your, your toaster, you, you push down you know, slices of bagels or bread or whatever, and you see the glowing coils and you say, um, you think, oh, yeah, those heat, the heat and the glowing coils, there's infrared energy that's, that's coming. And that's correct. But, but in fact, infrared is, is all over the place. So you can prove this to yourself. Um, you know, you can turn off all the lights in your, in your room. And uh, so that neither you nor nor your um, uh, smartphone camera will pick up anything um, in there. But if you have a camera that has um, a sensor, an infrared sensor instead of a visible light sensor, um, and even if it's pitch dark, um, you'd get a beautiful image of uh, you and your beard and your microphone and, uh, and some of those items sitting on the shelves uh, behind you and the artwork. Everything shows up beautifully because everything is generating infrared energy. See, so it's all around, which means that the energy that's required for building this is all over the place. It's not, you don't need, you don't need to turn on your oven, um, your electric oven to, to get this. It's all over. It's plentiful. And also, you know, the core of your body, the uh, meta metabolism generating heat, that heat is, is not identical to infrared energy, but it, it's close enough to think of the two as, as pretty much the, the, the same. So you're getting, you, you're getting um, energy, the required energy for building the easy water from the core of your body and from outside your body. It's all over the place. It's plentiful. And therefore, um, the energy that's required for building this stuff is all over the place. Uh, and therefore, 
EZ water, fourth phase water is all over the place, not just in your body, but all around you in any aqueous environment. And so what begins, so this, I'd be curious what comes into um, beginning to dysregulate um, this, uh, I don't know, the conductivity of our cells or that, 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 that balance of positive and negative charge. Uh, And then what does that, what does that look like? from a, you know, from an embodied perspective, like how does that express out of the anxiety, depression, obesity, diabetes, sarcopenia, like where, where does that, what does that, what does that look like? Well, I, 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 I can't answer those questions directly, but I can do so in a more, in a more general way. You know, when, when we're born, uh, at least most of us, our proteins are pristine, um, um, they're, they're not, uh, mutated in, um, and not the result of mutations in, in any way. And their, their surfaces are properly, um, shall we say manufactured in such a way they're the right hydrophilic surfaces to, um, to, to trigger the growth of easy water right next to them. We get older, um, we suffer from mutations. And so the proteins that are built from these mutations are not pristine anymore. They're modified and they're modified in such a way that they're um, less able to structure the water to produce easy water in the same way that when we were younger and uh, after we were born. And, and, um, and, and, and so, so therefore, we we will have less easy water in our cells. And this is problematic, um, you know, because the cells need this easy water in order to in order to perform the way they're supposed to perform. You see, so um, uh, if if we if we had a way to reverse uh, the the effects of these mutations, then we should be in good shape as 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 most are when they're two years old, you see. Mm. But as we start losing our hair and getting gray, um, we also become hydrated, dehydrated, you know, because the proteins are not able to to create this easy water and the cells have less easy water. And so where those of us who have gray hair or no hair, you know, we're we're dehydrated, we're perpetually dehydrated and we need to. We need to compensate by drinking more water, uh, and 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 uh, by doing the juicing uh, from the, our vegetable gardens, and also more expedients that I I haven't yet touched on. I'm going to take a moment and share one of the most nutritious, most delicious, and most intelligent blends to add to any coffee or smoothie. That is Kala Genius from Bioptimizers. What Kala Genius is, it's a combines cacao and four different kinds of mushrooms. It's lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. This cutting edge blend fights brain fog, helps repair your brain, improves your ability to focus, and boosts something called BDNF, which stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and it is considered or nicknamed Miracle Grow for the brain. After each serving of Kala Genius, you'll feel calm, alert, and energized. Your ability to memorize and recall information will likely improve. That's at least been my experience. And you'll get a hefty dose of antioxidants for immune support. It tastes absolutely delicious. It turns pretty much anything into a delicious mocha beverage. I really love adding it to 
most beverages, any smoothie or coffee-esque drink. I put a scoop of this stuff in here 100% of the time. I really like it. I think you guys are gonna like it as well. They have a 365 day money back guarantee. No questions asked. So you have absolutely nothing to lose. I highly recommend trying this stuff. You can get yourself 10% off as well by going to newtopia.com slash align genius. That's spelled N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A dot com slash align genius a-l-i-g-n g-e-n-i-u-s the code is align 10 at checkout and you will save yourself 10 percent off get free shipping and per mention 100 money back guarantee if you do not absolutely love this stuff so jump over to newtopia.com slash align genius for a discount I'd like to take a moment and talk about amino acids. On episode 383, I talked about essential amino acids like Keon aminos being one of the best hacks for muscle growth. If you really want to understand just how vital amino acids are for building muscle, think about your body and what it's made of. You probably know that it's mostly water. What you probably don't know is that everything else, all of your solid mass is 50% amino acid. This is why Keon Aminos is a fundamental supplement for fitness. I drink aminos every dang day for energy, muscle, and recovery. Keon Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research, has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers, no junk, undergoes rigorous quality testing, and tastes god dang amazing with all natural flavors. So if you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, and enhance athletic recovery, got to get yourself some Keon Aminos. You can now save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases by going over to getkeon.com slash align. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash align. That is 20% savings on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Getkeon.com slash align. like i'm like a, like a metaphor is popping up it almost seems like so you just said as as a person might age or start to not just age but like degenerate and kind of start to lose um their own boundary within their body and eventually kind of pour themselves back into the earth uh without that containment of the of of you know their their physical form it's interesting that there's a there's a crossover of what happens at a cellular level from like a bioelectric perspective at least what you're saying like it's we're well, losing yeah, that well, negative well, boundary layer yeah, and then yeah, that's yeah. that's a process of essentially like the demise of the cell the demise of the body and then pouring back into you know become fertilizer and then you know become life again is that, well, is exactly. that an okay metaphor yeah, yeah yeah i think that's well put and it's a gradual process you know as you get as you get older you know your your function diminishes you have less energy and, it, and it's a process. And I think a central feature of that process has to do with the water, you know, the water. The water is so important for everything in, in our lives. And, you know, if you going back to the going back to the textbooks, if you if you look at the textbook and read what it has to say, the water doesn't do a whole lot, even though we're two thirds water. Right. And that that's by volume. If you if you do a molecular count, you know, it takes a lot of those small water molecules to fill effectively to to fill um that two-thirds volume and so if you do a molecular count um it turns out 
it turns out that more than 99% of your molecules, you know, you line up all the molecules inside a typical cell, more than 99% would be water molecules. But the textbooks implicitly assert that those 99% of your molecules don't do a whole lot. They simply bathe the more important molecules of life. Mm. You know, and this seems almost arrogant um, to, to think that 99% of your molecules don't do a hell of a lot and they just sit there. And, yeah. You know, nature, nature doesn't operate that way. Everything is, is put there for some purpose. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's another... Another argument in, in favor of um, the proposition that that it's not liquid water that fills our cells, but some other kind of water that actually participates, that participates in everything that your cell does, and and that bespeaks the criticality of 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 water for for everything. Hmm. Yeah, that's what they did with uh, fascia in cadaver labs for for many years. They, they they would just throw away the connective tissue as like as though it was just kind of like this superfluous insulation filler. Like we don't know what it is or why it's relevant. It's just a bunch of white stuff, so it's probably just trash. Let's get to the <laughs> yeah. let's get to the stuff that matters in the muscle bellies. Like now we now we have a system because you're imposing what you would like it to be as opposed to allowing what it actually is. Absolutely. And that's, I think, oftentimes what happens within the realm of science or, you know, or just a realm of a relationship. You impose your belief upon another person, you know, then you start to, you find that reality. But when in fact, there's, there's many realities and, and water is like one of the, probably the greatest, um, you know, metaphors, but also literal expressions of that possibility. Well, well put. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, you might say, an attitude that that pervades, unfortunately, pervades scientific thinking. You know, as scientists, like every other human, we we learn things um, in our developing years, and we like we feel comfortable sticking to those because we we feel we have an understanding of nature. Even though, you know, if we go one step deeper and 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 uh, penetrate beneath the surface, all kinds of how and why questions uh, arise, yeah. al along with along with with, with um, examples that don't fit the hypothesis yet, we're human and we have a tendency to stick with what we know and think we understand as fact. Yeah. And yeah. when someone challenges that head on, it's a real obstacle uh, be, because of that proclivity to stick with what we know. It gives us a sense of comfort, the yeah. feeling. And, um, you know, it was actually... Albert St. Georgie, the father of modern biochemistry, who discovered vitamin C and got his Nobel Prize for that. But he was an original thinker in so many different realms. And one of his, one of his many expressions um, uh, that have been remembered to this day, he said, when I had a new idea, he said, it was only when the reactions were polarized, you know, some negative strongly negative, some strongly positive. It was only when they were polarized that I knew I was onto something really important because, mm. because you know, the, the idea appealed to some open-minded people, which is a good sign. And another good sign is that the idea was important enough to, to attract the dissent of, of other people who dissented in ways that they just didn't like the idea. And so they expressed their negativity. It was when 
that combination existed, the negative and the positive. It was only then he said that he knew he was onto something important. So, mm. um, and, and, you know, this, this is, this is a problem in modern day science In in, in science in the days of Albert San Giorgi, um, um, you know, several decades ago, um, funding was, was less of an issue. And, and now, um, it's really almost impossible to do any research without funding. And, if you propose an idea to the funding agencies, uh, like for example, suppose you you had an idea that the earth was round, right? But everybody around you knows that it's flat. They just look out the window and they can see, hey, it looks flat. And you know, I'm looking at the ocean and it looks pretty flat to me. And so so the earth is flat. But you you come to a granting agency and you say, Well, gee, you know, I have some uh, quote preliminary evidence, which is a catchword these days, that it might be round. I've seen some satellite photos and, you know, I can detect some some curvature uh, there. So please, can you give me some money? Because I want to study this and I need to hire a few people to help out in the laboratory. And it's really important because, you know, if the earth is round, it has a huge implication um, versus if the earth is flat. And I think it might actually be round, it might be a sphere. So, so the person, uh, the gatekeeper at the particular granting agency, looks at at, at your application and says, "Hmm, oh, this is this is a pretty radical point of view. This guy is, this guy is thinking that the Earth might actually be a sphere, but most of us know that it's uh, it's flat. So, I better do my due diligence and I better recruit reviewers." For your proposal, uh, reviewers who are the kind of real experts in the field of the Earth's shape, because we need somebody to judge whether whether your application is just nonsense, complete nonsense, or whether you know it has real implications. So, who do they recruit? They recruit the very people who you're challenging, the experts in the flat Earth. And you can imagine what the response is going to be. Um, well, you know. Um, um, they're going to find something, some reason uh, for you yeah. to not succeed. Because if you succeed, they fail. Their entire careers on which they built their reputations uh, rest on, on the concept of flat earth being retained. But you're challenging that. The last thing they want is for that challenge to be successful. So they're, they're going to come up with, with some kind of reason for not funding you. And a lot of people have come to realize that, that anybody in the system, so to speak, anybody who comes up with a radical um, idea um, and they try to get money for pursuing that radical idea will inevitably fail. And, yeah. and you know, this is done inadvertently. The granting agencies are not invested in, in radical ideas failing, but the system is set up in such a way that it's inevitable, unfortunately. Mm. So... This is why, um, if I were to ask you, for example, could you name, if I were to ask you to name a, um, uh, a scientific revolution, not, not a technological revolution, you know, like your laptop or, or those head, headphones that you're, you're wearing, um, but a, a scientific revolution, something like the splitting of the atom or the genetic code, which um, was 75 years ago, 65 years ago, uh, uh, respectively, something that happened in the last, say, 30 or 40 years, uh, a real 
scientific revolution that's been realized, not promised, realized, that's impacting our everyday life, I, I would suggest that you'd have difficulty. Um, there really haven't been... Um, um, well, human genome was kind of interesting. Yeah, but that was 65 years ago. Oh, really? Oh, I thought that was like the 90s that they that they came up with like the, the 20,000 genes being uh, responsible for 40,000 different proteins or 400,000 different proteins. Well, it's, it, it, was, started, it, was, it was 1954. Um, I think 50, oh. 53, 54 that the, genet the idea of the genetic code was identified. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you want to, well, I think humans have an urge to make, I think humans essentially are, our psychology and such. It's like as a below, as above, so below, like we're seeking stability. And ultimately I think it's like, there's an oscillation between chaos and, and then, you know, stability. And, but I think our tendency is to, to yearn for stability. And sure, I think it takes, it yeah, takes yeah, a mean, lot of courage to be willing to change one's perspective because ultimately it's like a threat at one's ego and like who, like how they, they perceive themselves and the world around them. Well, yeah, I think you, you're, you're, you're making a good point. It's a, it's a psychological uh, uh, kind of issue, but, but that's what science is all about, you know, yeah. um, is f finding something new and challenging the existing paradigm and, and changing the paradigm. Um, otherwise, you know, you're merely uh, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and, and 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 also, you know, complication results. If you've got the wrong foundation, anything you build on that foundation is got to be complicated. If you, yeah. you know, it, it's um, it's kind of like, you know, the structure of the atom. Uh, this is something that I've <laughs> I've thought about a bit. And you know, we start with the solar solar system model of the atom, which is it, it seemingly very simple. Uh, with nucleus with positively charged protons and neutrons and electrons. Uh, and and this model seemed, um, it was more than 100 years ago by Niels Bohr, seemed like a good model. But if you come to realize, in order to keep it working, to explain what we need to explain, uh, quantum mechanics then uh, came into play. And we now have, what is it, 60 or 65 subatomic particles. You need those subatomic particles to keep the model working. Right. And, and so this is not a, um, a good sign for a model. Usually, if you keep if you have to keep adding to the model to to make it work, it's not a good sign um, because nature works in a simple way. And if you mm -hmm. if you've come up with the right model, it's usually the opposite happens. It explains not not only what you're trying to explain, but many more features that, that you'd never thought it would explain. But if it's the right model, it does explain it. So simplicity is really important. And if you've got, if you've got the wrong foundation to start with, anything you build on that foundation will be complicated. Yeah. Our current understanding of nature has become extremely complicated. And so, you know, one has to wonder whether so, some of the, of the pillars and the, the foundations on which we build are actually correct. And, yeah, and unfortunately, the granting agencies uh, are, are not conceived in a way to promote these, these challenges to existing paradigms. And so, so scientists who try to do that um, run into obstacles. And I, you know, I got to admit that, uh, that these are facing us as, as well. You know, we've, we've been fortunate to, um, to have have had a private donor who who came upon our 
our findings, um, and loved them, believed in them, and had offered to support our laboratory for the long run. So we didn't have to apply to the granting agencies, and that was just wonderful. However, he regrettably ran into some financial difficulty and had to withdraw, which you know put us in a very difficult situation because getting money from the granting agencies is is a real real challenge. Um, and um, we we did manage actually just yesterday to get uh, some bridge funding to keep keep our lab going. But but we're um, we're looking for you know people who know our work and um, believe in our work to and who have done well um, to hopefully contact me and, and contribute in some way to keep keep it going because I think we're um, we're not only in into um, you know, a kind of revolution in thinking about biology in the cell, but it goes way beyond the cell. Um, it, it goes to um, an understanding of, of, of weather where, you know, water is, is involved. Uh, I think it goes into understanding about earthquakes and volcanoes. I have a, a book that I'm uh, considering. And it has it to go, it, it goes into so many physiological biological processes that um, are described in, in, in forthcoming books and and even what I touched on a moment ago about the structure of the atom. Mm-hmm. So we have so much going on and 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 practical, so-called practical consequences uh, like trying to get electrical energy from water and light, which I talked about, um, some kinds of filtration. Uh, you know, we need to clean up so badly need to clean up the pollution in the in the oceans and uh, in the lakes and and the rivers and we we've designed a device that can can actually do that in a very simple way we call a filterless filter and what it does is uh, water water comes in uh, and um, and we have a we have a setup that produces easy water. And as I mentioned, the easy water excludes all of those pollutants. So if you can collect the easy water, you have water that's not only good for health, but also is free of those contaminants. And so all of these developments are, are ongoing. And, but we can't do them without, without funding for the people who actually do the experiments. So, so we're really eager and, um, you know, so if there's but, someone that would be in a position to potentially support, is there, where's like the, the like a single best place for people to reach out? Uh, you know, um, if someone is contemplating some substantial support, I, I would like to communicate them myself and I'm okay. easily reachable. Uh, my email is all over the internet, so there's no problem finding it. I, I'll just say it's GHP or Gerald Harvey Pollock, GHP at UW. That's University of Washington, just uw.edu. Great. DHP at uw.edu. I'd love to speak with you. Great. Um, can, is it, I, I know that we're already like beyond the potential hour. Is it possible to ask any more questions or are you, you feeling like we're kind of at well, the, I, the overdose you know, time? I, I, um, five, 10 minutes would be, would be okay. Other, cool. Great. Know, yeah, um, we can, yeah, we can wrap up. I, I think. Another, I mean, we spent a lot of the conversation just trying to wrap my mind around what what the exclusion zone is and how it's relevant to health and things of the sort. Uh, how containable is it? How stable is it? Is it something that you can like pour into a you know a, a isolate into a, a bottle 
and drink exclusion, a big bottle of exclusion zone water. Um, so that's something I, st- I still feel a little curious about that, like the stability of it. Could I have, could I have, is there such a thing as easy water that I could put into a glass bottle and take with, with me on a plane? Um, is that, is, is that a, is that a, a thing or it's just exclusion zone is just going to be the, that, that negatively charged portion around really any bottle you would place water into? Well, you know, you, you risk being designated as a terrorist, um, for bringing any <laughs> so kind of whole bottle of exclusions of water. Yeah, I know. If you, if you tell them <laughs> oh, yeah, that it's, uh, it's, uh, easy water, they're, they're going to be highly skeptical and, right, that's you fine. know, you might find yourself in prison or something like this, but if you, yeah. you know, you're willing to risk it. Well, the answer is we're not, we're not sure. We are right. sure. I, you know, I, I alluded to that by uh, suggesting that, that the easy water can be converted to a solid and the solid. Okay. And if there's information in the easy water, we would presume that it's retained in the solid okay. and the solid persists indefinitely. So, so that would be one argument in favor of long-term persistence. And yeah. you could take, actually take that, that, um, powdered easy water at room temperature um, and put it into a glass of water and it will contain easy. And we know that that's the case. What we haven't um, um, checked is the longevity of it. This needs to be done. Uh, It's pretty urgent because we don't know the answer. So we don't know how long this easy water will persist. And we don't know whether the information that's contained in the water will, will persist. These are studies of the future, studies that, you know, we, we, we hope to do. There is some indication that it will persist. And, and that indication is this. Um, uh, I, maybe 10 years ago, I, was, I w- uh, received a telephone call from a, a, a guy who said he has this special water that he's been able to produce. And, uh, it, and it was given to, to a woman who had an a, um, um, uh, irreversible kidney pathology irreversible and she was in line for a kidney transplant and it was a neighbor or a friend of a neighbor and and um, and she started drinking this water and within one month her pathology was gone um, <laughs> and i was r- really impressed uh, by this and i invited him to our uh, annual water conference where by that time he'd had um, uh, a handful of patients who had the same same result and I asked him for hospital records and he produced them. And, and so it seemed, it seemed real. And I said, why don't you send us some of this water? And at that time we were eager to test various waters. We're not anymore because so many people ask us that, and we don't have the capacity to test different waters, especially commercial waters. Uh, we simply don't have the capacity. And, uh, but at any rate, um, he sent us some, it sat on, on my desk for three months before we got a chance to test it. And after three months, it had a substantial uh, uh, component of easy water in it. Mm. So we don't know how much easy water there was to begin with, but we know that after three months, easy water existed um, okay. in it. And so, so um, it means that uh, at least that, uh, according to our indication, it doesn't disappear instantly. How long it may persist is not clear. It needs to be studied, and we we do want to study that in the future. And and coming back to like the the fundamentals of being a I don't know effective bioelectric being. Um, coming back to like spending time on Earth is 
seems to be meaningful and that's that, like that like the the earth is like a repository of negatively charged ions from from that's, well, that's yeah. appropriate language to use and so when we're touching our feet and hands etc down to the ground that's not just a new age kind of like hippie thing that's actually a legitimate scientific fact that that's that is supportive to the health of your of your cells well i think it is uh you know first of all there's ample evidence that it's good for health in so many ways to connect yourself to the earth um uh but i you know and and the earth is indeed negative i was skeptical i was originally trained in electrical engineering and nobody ever Mm. no professor ever told me that when you when you um, take the plug and plug it into the receptacle that that third prong is connecting anything but pure neutrality and so i Mm. i was shocked so to speak uh to to learn that the earth was negatively charged but you know the evidence is ample it's just that we're not in the us we're not taught that in russia every mid i was told that every middle school student knows that the earth is negatively charged so it is negatively charged and you know so um, if you if you connect yourself to that negative charge, what happens? Well, um, if you're uh, connecting yourself electrically, that negative charge can penetrate in, into your body. And we found experimentally um, that if you stick two electrodes in water, and if you look near the negatively charged electrode, you've got electrons coming through and entering in, into the water. We found that uh, that, that region builds easy water. You don't need um, the hydrophilic surface. The mere entry of negative charge um, into the water converts the ordinary water into easy water. So the same principle holds. You know, if you walk barefoot on the beach near the water where where there's enough hydration of the sand to, to increase the conductivity, um, you'll get electrons that penetrate and find their way to the regions that are insufficiently negative, that don't have enough easy water, it should build easy water. So, um, and if you need easy water, which I argue that you do, um, it should improve whatever is, whether whether it's um, it's a headache that's bothering you in your, in your brain or a muscle that's aching you or whatever, it should be, you should improve that um, um, yeah. by walking on the beach and or immersing yourself in a mud bath as the Japanese do. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think that's what's going on. There are many other theories, biophysical theories that may have merit about why um, earthing or grounding yourself um, is, is a positive expedient. But I, I, I think that this one applies. Sometimes yeah. I, I worry that, you know, I'm maybe a, 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 like a guy with a hammer. Um, as, as his only tool, everything looks like a nail. Right. <laughs> you know? But yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. So, so, all right. The one thing that I just think is incredibly interesting and, and I just like to include in the conversation is how this, the, the, the bioelectric conversation around the circulation of fluids in our own body, and then also the circulation of fluids within plants. And so I, I think that that's another potential, like, I think there's a lot of missing links in that that conversation of like how blood really moves around our body and lymphatic fluid and, you know, just how there's the circulation of all that, that does vital fluids through our tubes. And one of the things that, that I've heard, I don't think that you conducted 
this experiment, but something that I, I've, I've seen that you share about in one of your TED Talks particularly was placing a tube underwater. And then because there's that exclusion zone around the parameter of the tube, that, that negative charge, just the tube existing in there actually creates a current being a, a, of water being pulled through that space, which I think that that's, that's just so interesting. And it, it kind of blows my mind of perception of what circulation even is. Well, that, yeah, I mean, we, it was our experiment. We published several papers, um, on, on that. And, um, and we've recently done experiments um, on the intact cardiovascular system to show that that same principle applies in our vessels, our blood vessels. Um, huh. And um, it, it's not only in isolated tubes, and, but, but you know what we have been able to, to conclude from these studies, uh, the more recent studies in the cardiovascular system that is that it's not just the heart um, that is is pumping or that is pushing the blood through through the vessels, but it's indeed it's um, it's also the vessels themselves that contribute. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't know at this point. The experiments that we've done don't enable us to draw a conclusion about how much of the blood is pumped by by each of those. So we don't know. For example, uh, it, it could be that the heart is doing 50% of the work and the vessels are doing the other 50%. It could be the heart is doing 99% and the vessels 1%. Or it could be that the vessels are doing 99% and the heart 1%. We haven't been able to determine that, but we have been able to determine that it's not just the heart, but it's also the, the blood vessels themselves that are pumping the blood. And wow. um, yeah, the paper... Um, has been uploaded um, um, in the public domain, and we're trying to get it published. Um, um, we've been rejected by several journals, um, you know, rejected even before review because it's it it sounds it sounds to the editors to be too astonishing to to be uh, possible. You know, kind of a bit like the water memory because everybody's known, yeah. um, you know, since. Um, just after William Harvey discovered the circulation that the heart is doing the pumping. And this is taken for granted. And the, the concept that there could be um, two mechanisms that are complementary um, uh, is, is beyond the imagination of, uh, of most people. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and also the same in trees, you know, you think of a, a 300 foot redwood tree and, the, so, you know, the, the water comes from the ground, from the roots. It's absorbed by the roots and it has to get all the way up to the top, uh, 300 feet, right? hundred meters uh, roughly to the leaves, um, you know, where photosynthesis uh, takes place. Uh, you know, and, and if you think about it, if you think about a pipe uh, and the pipes are in, in these plants, they're, they're called xylem uh, vessels. If you think of a pipe that's, 300 feet tall and filled with water um you know that the water there's not much tendency for the for the water to rise and instead the pressure that you feel at the bottom is enormous right 300 feet of water so the question is how on earth does the water get from the bottom to the top um and i think this mechanism that you uh, have just identified that the sort of we call spontaneous flow of water is exactly the mechanism that that the plant uses to to pump if you will the water from the bottom up to the top thank you so much man i appreciate it. i realized we went over 
uh, time. Um, well, that's fine. Okay, thank so, you. I, yeah, I yeah. Really appreciate. Uh, it. Yeah, of Your course. Is there uh, a best place for people to go to learn more about your your work? Obviously, I, I think your your the fourth phase of water is the only is the only one that I've actually read myself. Um, but I think that everything that you provide is just so important. Uh, so. Um, well, uh, yeah. I mean, um, the the uh, I think the the book is is probably the the best place to get the uh, essential message. Uh, and uh, as I said, I you know I think people have commented commented that um, on on the clarity of the uh, presentation. And so, if there's interest, and uh, there are also. Um, uh, for those who are interested, many papers that we've uh, we've we've written, we've tried to present those papers in in ways that are clear and understandable. The be the best place, I guess, um, the, for the first, just go to Amazon um, and look under the fourth phase of water, and and check out the reviews first um, um, you, to get some idea. And then the second is our our. Um, lab website and and that is pollocklab.org it's very simple pollocklab p-o-l-l-a-c-k-l-a-b dot org and you'll get to our lab website and you know there are lots of clicking that you can do to get a better idea of uh, what we're about which extends well beyond what i've you know had a, a chance to um to discuss today. And uh, so I guess those are the, the two main avenues of approach. Um, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank you, Aaron. And uh, it's been a, a, a pleasure. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, okay. I appreciate you. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much again for subscribing to this podcast. Make sure you press the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this, guys. So that way you get each week's episodes and do not miss a beat. Uh, it's very supportive on our end as well. Thanks for reviews. If you are inclined to share this episode, you can tag myself over at Align podcast on wherever you do your share on Instagram be likely place. Uh, Gerald Pollock does not use a social media, but you can find him at pollocklab.org if you want to go deeper into his work. And lastly, if you'd like to hear Gerald's response to the final question in relation to how we can leverage sun, heat, infrared heat, things of the sort to optimize our easy water in our own cells, uh, you can find that over at alignpodcast.com slash community. You'll find a ton of excellent exclusive content over there, including many other final questions to previous guests. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. I'll see you next week.